1: We always forget what we're talking about. Must be the wine. I will earn
0: that money back and destroy him. Dude, if your internet's gonna be boo-boo this entire time, I'm gonna be mad.
1: Howdy and welcome to Laptop Empires Podcast. We've got a special guest here today, Larry Ludwig. And uh, have we, had you? we haven't had you on the podcast yet, have we? Nope. No, not yet. No, I think we've just talked about you. On the podcast. I think that's what it was. Yes, my ears were ringing. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys go back, I should have looked this up ahead of time, but we actually have an episode like what we've learned from hiring an SEO guru. Um, We will put that in the show notes. You know what? All right. So it's actually episode 88. Just took a moment to look it up for y'all. So check out episode 88 if you want to hear some of the things from our perspective that we've learned from Larry. But I think the important thing to know here is that when we wanted to grow our blog, get help with SEO, get help with our affiliate marketing, our analytics, all this fancy stuff, this is the guy we turn to. So, Larry, glad to have you here today. Could you tell us a little bit about your backstory so everybody can like learn all of these reasons why we were like, hey, we got to learn from this guy?
2: Jeez, where do I begin? Um, I've had a long history doing this stuff. So, I've started, I'm not even, I mean, it's this funny part or scary part for me. It's I've been doing this now for 25 years. So, I started literally developing websites in nineteen ninety-four and worked for an ad agency called Poppy Tyson, where we created some in some cases the very first versions of those websites and worked for, you know, companies like Netscape. I didn't work doing that project, but Netscape, the White House even. And in my case had a chance to work with companies like Chase, ING Bank, Minolta, T Rowe Price, you know, actually creating the first versions of their websites. So from make a long story short, you know, left that company Eventually, at some point, decided to create my own agency and built websites for others. And come late 2009, was really frustrated building, building websites for others. I'd seen the profitability and seen the companies being very successful with their blogs. Yet, you know, I was not getting any of those rewards. So I decided to create my own blog called Investor Junkie and built that blog from zero traffic to 300,000 unique visitors a month, all through, mostly from SEO. So That's
0: awesome, yeah. Yeah. Did you have, cause you, you have a computer science degree, right? Uh, Yeah. So did you, were you just like naturally inclined to zeros and ones for? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was always interested
2: in computers since, a, a, you know, 12 years old. I had interest in new kind of knew that the direction was going to be computer science, but also knew, I don't know. I had interest in marketing and advertising too. So it really melded those two skill sets together. I mean, Scott Adams, the cartoonist, Dilbert, calls yeah. it talent stacking. We kind of take two, three different skill sets where they're kind of average and really oh. ample mo- by mixing them all together, really make a superpower. And right. it's kind of really my strength with marketing advertising, with my technology background, with okay you know, writing skills, I think really made it
0: where I was able to be successful with my blog. Did you have a moment when you were like at a point where you knew you could do all the stuff on online, and you knew more about computers than everybody else, where you were like, where you were like, I could become a hacker, and and really like a professional hacker, or I could go down the good path. Like, did you have that moment in your life where you were like, I could I could go the evil side, or I could go the the good route? It, go to the dark side. Um, yeah. no. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I had. It's,
1: that's Your hesitation question. on
0: this question is awesome. Yeah. the reason I'm asking you that is because like people don't. We talk to you every day, every day, but like, you know a lot about computers and not not computers. You look, well, I'm sure you do, but you know a lot about mean. the internet. Um, like a ridiculous like granular amount, and I think that you only sh- because Mike and I are so dumb. When it comes to the internet, I think you only share like, surface level stuff with us sometimes because you've gone deep with me before and <laughs> you start talking about stuff that I have no idea what, what in the world you're talking about. Like there's like, yeah. many yeah. other layers. So I'm just, you know, it's just interesting to me that like, you know so much and then you kind of took it into this like, blogging. I mean, as a child, the,
2: game, the movie War Games was like, one of my favorite movies. Just to give you an idea. I mean, I just I mean, let me position it that way. You, didn't, you ever saw the movie with Matthew Broderick? He oh, okay. almost caused uh, World War III with uh, his hacking. Oh,
1: okay. I'm just amazed. Like you're talking about as a child, and I knew this at 12. And I'm just thinking back, and I'm like, I think when I was 12, I was trying to figure <laughs> out how to like sneak an extra little Debbie brownie or three without my mom realizing. I was sneaking out of the pantry. You know, I don't think I was thinking about like what am I going to do with my life, or
2: no, I don't know about life. <laughs> I mean, it was just a matter of. I'm like, this stuff interests me, right? I had many interests as a child. And I'm like, this stuff interests me. I knew there was definitely a a future in it. I mean, I had, obviously, most 12-year-olds, even today, play video games. I mean, that's Mm. kind of the fascination. I was like, okay, maybe I can start making video games. You know, nowadays, it's like I want to become a YouTuber, right? And, you know, I think that kind of leads to the path we go to, where I just knew I wanted to be in computer science, but also knew that I didn't want to be the... A technology expert without having real-world application to it, and that's kind of where the meld of advertising marketing came about. Is I just knew, and, and my fascination with psychology. To me, all those kind of skill sets and things that interest me kind of meld into one. Where I'm not, I don't plan on being, you know, a I don't someone. I can't stand sitting in some dark room programming all day. Even though kind of right now I'm doing just that <laughs> with COVID. I'm kind of stuck in this environment, programming, writing stuff. But um, for the most part, it's, I think, interacting and helping people in the end. That's really I think, so, what drives me.
1: So before we like, get into talking about SEO and stuff, because I know Bobby's taken us to like, way afield here, uh, I do have one question like, based on something you said at the very beginning, because I think it will be of interest to a lot of the people that listen that are freelancers or that are providing services for you know, other people, you kind know, of like I do. I think it was interesting that you were talking about like, hey, you know, I see all of these people, they're they're reaping the benefits of these websites. And so you got tired of building these websites for other people and decided to do it for yourself. And, you know, as somebody who has a business that is helping other businesses grow. And then we have our business and we're, we're doing our own thing. I know I definitely have days and I've messaged Bobby before where I'm like, man, I don't want to work on other people's stuff. I just want to do our stuff. You know, like I, I go back and forth on that. Did you, when you started to have that feeling, did you just go like all in on doing your site or did you try to do a little bit of both? And I'm not saying like, hey, I'm going to like ditch my agency. I'm just like curious because as you were saying that, I was thinking like, I can relate to that a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, well, I had a business, so I had a, you know, on top of that design firm, I had web hosting as well and I was making a decent income. The problem is I just saw on the horizon what was going on with cloud computing with, you know, companies like Amazon, Microsoft, what have you, where they're really going to take over that space and hosting was just such a shitty business to be in, to put it simply. Uh, so I really wanted out of that. It was just such a competitive, such a commodity-type business. I had no interest in keep doing it. So I, I still had that business, but I kind of put it on autopilot where I had other you know, people help me within my company to just you know, support the tickets, deal with the basic day-to-day stuff. And after that, um, you know, I kept working at the blog. I just knew the genesis of the blog was kind of, I saw not only blogs that I built or helped build were successful with my own business. But I also saw some other businesses in the personal finance space. You know, Bobby can relate to this. That was sold for twelve million dollars. That one of them was Bankaholic. So in two thousand eight, I think it was, they, they were sold for, I think allegedly eight million or twelve million. I forget which the ad- actual number was. But it was a lot of money. It was a one guy operation. Yeah, he, ha- he optimized by SEO. And I, I just, if I could do that, if he could do it, I could do
0: that. Right. Right. Yeah. And some of these websites do sell. And you did do like- it crazy amounts you know like well you know this because you sold investor junkie for six million but like i think it, what is it Uh value penguin right and that one they sold for like a hundred million dollars or something like some yeah. of these websites just sell for for crazy amounts of money so
2: yeah i mean i documented that on my own site because i was curious how many other blogs out there sold for seven eight figures and it's a decent clip i mean and just affiliate marketing based in other words i didn't in my case i didn't even have my own products or services i didn't have courses And I think that's definitely a unique angle that most people don't think about is my whole take is everyone should do affiliate marketing at some level. You should be supplementing your, your existing business with affiliate marketing because you can't do it all. Right. And affiliate marketing just covers gaps in your business or things that you just recommend day to day. Hey, go use product X and lo and behold, product X has an affiliate program that you can make money just by referring them to that service. And
0: it's a no brainer in my eye. All right. Yeah. So since we're kind of talking about affiliate marketing, let's, let's go into that a little bit deeper. So you have started, I mean, you did investor junkie, you saw this opportunity, um, you know, to to use SEO, but it was really like SEO plus affiliate marketing. And that, that was the main way that you made money on investor junkie, right? It was like all affiliate marketing because I've talked to you before and like you weren't really into sponsorships and, and things like that. It was more just like affiliate getting people to convert. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean really affiliate marketing was the core business strategy. One one because I saw again, other businesses, other blogs do it very successfully. And the other is, you didn't have to have any products or services you maintained. You didn't have to build a course. You didn't have to do anything. So for my eyes, I just saw it as a huge opportunity. And on top of that, there was other verticals like credit cards that did really well. And I didn't see anyone in the investment space really you know, monetizing effectively. So I was like, okay, instead of doing ad banners, let's do it through affiliate marketing.
0: Right. So do you feel like, but your new business now, you know, that's just your name, you're doing both, right? You're doing courses, you're doing affiliate. So, do you feel like, like, is affiliate marketing still viable? You know, if people are listening to this and they want to start a blog, like, can they build a very large affiliate site or does it have to be more diversified?
2: I mean, you can. I, it's risky, though. I mean, if anything, the problem by just affiliate marketing is you don't control your products. So, if right. a merchant can decide it literally overnight, you know, they have this program, they decide to shut it down without any prior notice. Right. and it's happened I mean or decrease affiliate commissions like Amazon
1: Amazon just like as soon as COVID hit then they just yeah. like slash their they half their um, affiliate program yeah yeah I'm pretty sure I saw some different people that were like ah, you know just like totally lost a ton of money overnight but,
2: yeah I mean there are a few bloggers that I've told them I, I'm not going to mention names I've mentioned a few bloggers specifically <laughs> hey you need to not rely on Amazon why don't you try other affiliate programs out there besides Amazon Amazon's not the be all end all affiliate program but people just use it by default because it's easy and yeah you can some cases of people have lost half their revenue just because of affiliate uh, amazon's affiliate program has been halved so yeah you, that's the risk you with affiliate marketing one of the risks the two risks one is seo the other is you don't own the products so if you're relying just purely on aff, uh, affiliate marketing there's definitely risk there uh so where it's, you
1: it's, what it's, oh sorry i didn't i thought you were- <laughs>
2: No, I mean what? So I I recommend more than just affiliate marketing, but yeah, obviously someone like me who did really well with affiliate marketing, you can do it without question. And you so the risk like you is,
1: oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: That
1: so the risk sense. is an algorithm change, and people changing their the commissions they pay, or eliminating the program, or something of that nature.
2: Yeah, overnight. I mean, ideally, you should mix up. If you have the audience, I mean, you should really have your own products at some point down the road. Maybe not initially. Uh, but you can easily also test it. I mean, I always recommend okay, you thinking about offering a course or doing whatever, do it through an affiliate program first to see if it works. If it works through an affiliate program for someone else's course, let's say, you can easily then do it yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So I'm, you know, for me, like affiliate marketing was something that I didn't focus on a lot. I brought you in, and it has been a, like, it's been awesome because we've, found all of this lost revenue and it like it's pretty cool but at the same time it's also like very difficult i feel like it especially when you're trying to do the way that we're doing it with like trying to attribute sales right like so for like a newer blogger because were you doing all this conversion optimization and like tracking stuff that we're doing at or at uh, millennium money man and laptop empires where we have Woopra and we can see all the sales and we've got ClickMeter, meter and we can see all these transactions like did you do it like that or did you have a simple setup
2: i mean obviously i progressed along the way but yeah more or less had that setup what, I, what you guys have now in terms of tracking i had yeah so we were able to see your various affiliates and where the source of the traffic was coming from because we did pay traffic as well and also you know how well it's converting so we kind of knew the metrics what I didn't know, of course, is how well we were compared to others. You know, and lo and behold, post-sale and talking to others and talking to the company acquired me and how well not only our visitor attributes were, but also, you know, how well we converted. You know, I, I kind of had an idea speaking to the various affiliate program managers, but you really don't know. You know, you, you they sometimes you feel like they're blowing smoke up your rear end. They're telling you you're great and yet, you know, meanwhile, you're not, you know, one of the worst converting affiliates. You yeah. never know. But for the most part, yeah, we were doing really well because we were able to track all those conversions. From be- we basically treated the products as if they were my own. So that was my goal from the get-go, is to say, okay, we can track this stuff. Let's, I know the technology's there. Let's track these products as if I actually own them, at least as far as conversions. And then where are the opportunities? Can we send paid traffic to a landing page and convert through paid traffic? I mean, that's what most people don't do. They, most affiliate marketing bloggers or happy to get a report every month to say they've had ten, 10 conversions from whatever merchant and be done with it. And to me, that's kind of a scary proposition. You don't know your source of your traffic and you don't know what's converting on your site. You don't know where your money-making pages are. And you kind of need to know that. that so I kind of helped minimize those risks through my setup, but most bloggers to even more so, not only relying on just the merchants and if they disappear, you're screwed, but they don't know the source of their conversion. So they'll make a change or, or do something wrong on their site and they'll be making $10,000 a month to then have in their revenue and have no idea why.
1: Right. Yeah. Or they're just constantly writing, putting out content, stuffing it with links and hoping it in an aggregate, it'll grow over time. Yeah, Instead and that's, like, that's crazy. I mean, you need to measure the stuff and it's no different than
2: you know, for paid traffic, which you guys do for Facebook. You need to measure, if you have your own stuff, You need to measure the stuff as well. And most people don't do it on that side. They certainly don't do it on affiliate marketing either.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how little, (laughs) like I've been blogging for a while now, but I feel like I took like a very painful route and I've made a lot of the very common mistakes where I just was putting content out just to put content out for a long time. Whereas and I didn't monetize a lot of the content. There's still a lot of content on millennium money, man. that's not monetized properly. Like there's a lot of that, that I've felt like I've kind of messed up over the years and I'm fixing it now. But when I see what's cool is to watch you start your own site from scratch, you know, and you've been, I've just seen how intentional you are with the content. Like you don't put, you don't crank out like 10 pieces of content every week. Like, you know, how a lot of people just a lot of bloggers just put out a lot of content. Like you put out like one or two or you like, but it's very good content. And then it's like monetized properly. So like, I guess where I'm going with this is for a newer blogger, like what are the things that you would recommend if they want to make money with affiliate marketing? What are some of those like common mistakes that you're seeing? And then what are the things that you think that they should be focusing on right now in 2020? If they want, you know, let's say they're making a little bit of affiliate money, but not a lot, um, but they really want to increase that. uh, Where would you tell them? How would you you advise them? I mean, first... First and foremost, be on point. Keep you know
2: whatever decide whatever niche you're going to be about. Stay on point on that niche. Don't veer off. I mean, from the audits I'm doing, from some of my clientele, you know, just some of the topics they rank for for SEO. I'm yeah. like, guys, what are you ranking for this? What is what's the relevancy for this related to your brand? And there isn't any. It's like like you're saying that just the throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping it sticks. Right. And I think that's the wrong attitude because of I mean I mean maybe if you're starting out, you don't really know what you're you're trying to be about. But at some point, if you decided that you're going to be about these niches or these topics, stick to those topics. And if you have old posts that no longer relevant, remove them or modify them so they are. Uh, that's the first issue. I mean, the second, like I've mentioned, is tracking. You know, have some level, maybe not the, the level of sophistication you have, but at least kind of have a vague idea. These are your money-making pages. These are the pages, because usually that, that 80-20 rule applies, is probably 20% of your pages generate 80% of your revenue. And at least know that. At some level, but most people don't know that or don't realize that. I guess the other is realize that Rome wasn't built in a day. You need to really start from somewhere. If you see other bloggers who have these really fancy looking blogs, they—if you probably look at Wayback Machine, you'll see what they used to look look like. You know, three, four, five years ago, it probably looks nothing like it did today. So you got to realize they too started from the very basics and don't get frustrated that you know, that where they're at, you could never achieve. It just takes time. And, you know, blogging is not an overnight success. It definitely takes, at least in my eyes, one to two years before yeah. you finally get some sort of momentum going. And it's no different right now from my own personal brand. Even though I'm, you know, like you said, I'm, you know, trying things out and be very pers- purposeful of my content, it still takes time to get an audience. I have, you know, literally outside of personal finance, probably not much people, not many people know about me. Right. But yet, you know, I'm starting from a personal brand from scratch. So it's on one hand exciting, but also frustrating because, yeah, I had this momentum with Investor Junkie. Granted, I sold it and sold it very well. But, you know, it is what it is. It's, something, it's exciting on one hand, but also frustrating, where I wish I, had that, I could have that traffic. I'm looking to perhaps even acquire a few other blogs that maybe are established at some point and build up those sites, kind of refurbish them like a you know, rehab of a house. But right. that's, at least those are the basic you know, three key points. I would right. say it's just start, you know, start slowly, start perfect, write Purposeful content and just really make sure you're on point with that content.
0: Yeah. And I, the, the purposeful content thing, I think if I could go back and change it, I would have the baby
1: blowing bubbles here. If any of y'all hearing that, <laughs> no, I can't
0: hear that. um, I, no. when, when you first, uh, came on to money, money, man, which really wasn't that long ago, I guess that was a month and a half ago, um, uh, because you're not compete ended. Um, that was one of the first conversations that we had was like, what direction do you want to take the site in? And I've always, the problem I've always had with millennial money, man, is that it was like a very general, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't, I had people that were like, oh, you should do, you should be like the next Dave Ramsey. And I don't really want to do that. And like, I didn't want to be a personal finance guru. So I didn't really know what I want to talk about, but then we kind of like have narrowed it down to, you know, more like teaching people how to make money. But I feel, I feel like I'd be a lot further ahead if I had figured that out sooner and not, uh, to your point, written content that's like how to live in an RV or what. I can't remember what I rank for. I rank for this like random stuff that is totally not, it's like useless <laughs> you know, in terms of my brand.
2: In terms of monetization, in terms of your brand. Yeah, I mean, but people make that mistake. I mean, even I, to a degree, made that mistake when I first started Investor Junkie. As I, I wrote content that would interest me more like economic and or political statements about the economy, and no one had interest in it. I'm like, you know, the people have no desire to read about that stuff. On top of it, it, was very short-lived, where I'm like, okay, let's start writing about content that can be monetized. Let's write about reviews and or promotions. And that's kind of the promotion uh, you know, route worked really well for me. I saw a, a company called Trade King at the time, had a promotion for August and did really well with that promotion. That was really the genesis that I knew personally that I could do this and be very successful at it, where beforehand I was struggling myself at some point. You know, It took me about a year and a half to get that momentum going. Yeah. And from that just kept growing the blog and really changing the focus as opposed to writing content that you know was more of a, a personal diary or personal interest i wrote it for others that's that's the other key point too i should probably add as you're not writing content for yourself you're writing for others and that's i think most people miss the side of that fact is they were trying to write content for themselves and satisfy their needs but in
1: reality the audience is really what matters yeah there's a lot. lot of that in business where you have to do you're, you're not necessarily doing the thing that you enjoy Right. Like sometimes there's stuff that you just kind of got to get in the dirt and do things that you're not as excited about because that's what's really going to be more effective. Like you said, like focusing on what are people going to be interested in. So I guess my question is when you're getting started and you're saying, you know, focus, like get focused and, and, and be purposeful with your content and everything. So what is coming first? Or you're like, Hey, these are the things I want to promote. And then you build your content around that, which I think is kind of what we had to do since we had a product first. Right. But if you're just like a n- normal with a blog, you don't have a product yet. Are you choosing the affiliate product and writing around that? Or are you choosing the niche that you want to be writing about and then finding the appropriate products for the content?
2: I would have to say yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, both. actually both. I mean, to answer your question, it could be both a mixture of both. There are cases where you write content, right, that you can then go, okay, yeah, maybe there's some ideas we can monetize this. But then there are cases they're purposely trying to figure out, all right, we have this brand or this topic or, or we have, you know, some idea of how to monetize it, but we have no idea what to write around that. It can go both ways. I mean, to Bobby's point, you know, money, money, man. There are pages that he has that are not monetized, but they can be monetized. So you go back and backfill that and figure out ways to add affiliate links to those pages. That's not to say you're you're doing purely adding affiliate links just purely for monetization, but it just in some cases it naturally fits. You by all means should be adding affiliate links
0: to certain pages that you mention a product. Why not? So you know, if you're if you're trying if you're a blogger and you're trying to figure out which pages to monetize and and you see these opportunities. You know. You mentioned earlier that a lot of people aren't going to be able to do some of the things that we're doing right now at LE and Millennial Money Man where we have Click Meter is what we're using to actually store all the, or not store the affiliate links, but kind of keep track of all the affiliate links and uh, track conversions and all that. And then it passes that data to Woopra, which is like this other crazy program that you, you've set me up with. Um, what, what do you feel like somebody that's kind of, you know, that's more in the beginning stages. What should they be using right now? Like, what is the tool? Should they start with ClickMeter to track their affiliate links, or because I feel like ClickMeter? I mean, I, I'm curious what you what you say about this, but I feel like it's a little bit more of an advanced tool because it's not it's not like super 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 user friendly.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean. I, yeah, I mean, I've wrestled with this too, as far as recommendations recommendations to my clients. And I guess on one hand, it's nice to stay with the tool that you can grow along the way so i kind of been recommending ClickMeter as of late but i also get your know, tools like pretty links which is pretty popular with affiliates
0: yeah
2: uh seems to be the the, the standard tool even though it lacks anywhere near the tracking you can do so i, I mean at least for my end i recommend one of the two as far as you should be using something if you're doing affiliate marketing at any level by all means use something to track your affiliate links that's the first issue right because if you need to measure not only the clicks but ideally conversions as well, like we have set up. But if you can't do that, at least measure the clicks at some level. Know again, which pages have the most popular, most amount of clicks. So therefore you have an idea of, okay, these are the pages that I need to focus on. But that doesn't always guarantee the most popular pages and clicks equal the same amount of revenue. You can have a lot of clicks for a page, but equal very little revenue or no revenue in some cases. The intent is really what matters as far as SEO, which we'll eventually talk about in another podcast. Right. So in the end, you need to measure it. So get something pretty links click meter or your own home brew thing. If you're really, really rambunctious, but <laughs> for the most part, one of those two there, I've wrestled with this as well. I've even thought about should I create my own tool that can blow these services away. I think make it easier to use. Yeah. The problem is it's still such a small niche service yeah. that it's not worth the time and effort for me to develop something. I rather just add stuff on, which I do with click meter to make it easier to use. So that's right. kind of what I've been focusing on is making tools that I can build and sell to others on top of ClickMeter. But outside of that, start with something, pretty lens or ClickMeter.
0: Yeah, it's it's been wild to me to go through this process and see how really all of the affiliate tracking works and then look at, and I'm not gonna say any any names, but some of my friends in the blogging space that are doing really well, like six figures a month really well, that still don't do any level of conversion tracking other than like the very basic, like they use pretty links and then they look at their affiliate accounts every month. So, well, I mean, even more so, they're, they're not only doing organic search,
2: the scary part is they're doing paid traffic in some cases. Yeah. It's just bizarre. If you're paying you're paying for traffic, you need to measure it, be it your own product or service or especially for affiliate
0: marketing, because you can lose your shirt very easily. That's that's the thing that I, that has been, and I've been trying to talk to my friends about that. It's a weird thing where I talk to my friends about this and I'm like, hey, there is like a whole nother level that you can get to with this tracking. And it's really what you should be doing. Uh, you know, it's kind of like giving my unsolicited advice and like, they're not interested in it. And it's, it's very, it's, it's fascinates me because there's business owners that like they, they, they're making good money. And so they're just like, well, I don't want to mess with that. Like, I don't want to get too granular and mess with that. Cause I'm making good money. Why would I, why would I change it? But I think like you're kind of playing with a loaded gun a little bit, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the concern is you're, you're really Going back
2: to what we just said previously, you're kind of, it's a scary proposition that you're, you have a business, you have no idea the source of your conversions. Be it, you know, I mean, look at where you guys started with laptop empires. You initially thought there was some traffic coming from, I mean, you'd have some traffic coming from Facebook for paid traffic, but it turned out more your affiliates were generating more of your revenue than you even thought of and how much they were assisting in that conversion process. And you kind of need to know that because if then, therefore, you can say, okay, not only, are your affiliates generating more revenue than you thought initially? We can incentivize these various affiliates and say, we'll give you a higher payout because you're doing so well with us and send us even more traffic. You know, can you send us more traffic so we can get more revenue? It's a win-win for
0: everyone. And
2: I don't know, I can't envision running a business that way, at least from my eyes.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, when I think about that and I think about people that have used pretty links or, you know, use these like very basic tools and haven't really gone down the conversion tracking wormhole uh, or rabbit hole, you know, I, I would tell newer bloggers that they need to start doing, they need to get off of pretty links sooner, but like, when, when do you think that should happen? So you've got somebody that is it like they're making a thousand dollars a month and they need to invest. I just feel like bloggers are very, the majority of bloggers, anti-technology. Yeah. Well, and anti, <laughs> anti-investment investment. Yeah. I was
1: going to say, just like coming from the internet marketing side of things, like it's you know i've always bobby's always been very investment driven like like and putting money back into the business and treat it like a business but i've been surprised i'm used to like internet marketers throwing money around on stupid crap and then like with bloggers you know it's like they oh i don't want to pay for hosting you know like I, it's like not wanting to put in any money
2: yeah that's fascinating yeah i mean that's the same issue i'm dealing with my own you know campaign i'm doing for uh, starting a blog and it's, it's definitely an issue of people wanting to do, I mean, my whole spiel is you can buy a, a Starbucks Frappuccino for more. It costs more for that than to buy hosting per month. And to me, it's like a no brainer to start a blog. You buy hosting, you don't do something for free, but yet people to your point, look at either free products as much as possible in the blogging space, or don't want to invest in the technology. I mean, to me, part of the key differentiator for the space is the technology, other People focus mostly on the content, how to write better content, which is important, but it's a commodity in the end. People can, you know, up the game of what you wrote by adding more words or or making their content right be better. Where to me the technology, be it behind the scenes to track conversions, but even on the front end, you know, having widgets, which I had to compare various brokerage firms or various robo advisors. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the I think I think it's harder to compete against and build your moat as a business around your brand. You can, it makes it harder for people to replicate that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot, it's, it just seems to me like a lot of bloggers that start, um, and even successful ones, it's like they're always, it's like they, they're really excited about like totally minimizing their expenses to where it's like they're running their business as cheaply as humanly possible. But when you get to, when you start looking at the people that are selling these websites for millions of dollars, and the people that are making millions of dollars, their expenses are much more significant. Like you were spending quite a bit on, and I don't know if you're allowed to say this number, but you were spending quite a bit on like web development every month, like on a return, like you had kind of like an SEO web development firm that you were paying a good amount of money to. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I mean, we had dedicated people for, or firms we worked with for development and for SEO. I mean, I initially did the SEO, but I eventually just, it was because of the workload, outsourced it to someone else. Yeah. and wanted also more insight on because of the firm that I worked with had you know, insight in other various uh, verticals more than just personal finance and could tell me things like, well, you're doing really well here, but here's some gaps that you may have not thought about where I kind of was much more pigeonholed into my vertical and my niche in personal finance and investing where, again, they, they dealt with brands from not only you know, affiliate marketing, but you know, actual e-commerce services that people would uh, you know, try to optimize for SEO as well. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, to your point, and maybe it's also related to the personal finance blogger sphere, that a lot of them are the, you know, the, the fire movement, you know, the, the financially independent retire early. So they're looking at the blog as being a lifestyle movement and, yeah. and minimizing everything, not only their own personal finances, but then their business, which I don't know. To me, a business is a huge investment. You should be spending time and money, you know, making sure this business can grow. I mean, let's use my web hosting business. I purposely starved it and just ran it minimally for many years. Because I knew it was a dying business, so I purposely didn't invest in it, but with my blog, I purposely spent, like you said, thousands of dollars a month on development fees yeah. and spent a lot of time on having my designers create a really looking good looking site and all that takes time and money that you I think doing it all yourself is a classic business mistake you know you need to really yeah. hire others to help you or and/or technology I mean a technology is just something prepackaged for you that you pay for that someone spent literally hundreds, thousands, maybe millions
0: of hours to build out and you're using it to your advantage. So why not do that? Yeah. So yeah, I, I just to, to me, I guess like the general theme is like, you've got to start investing a little bit sooner. And especially if you're going to be focusing on affiliate marketing, I feel like you've got you've to be able to attribute sooner so that you can focus your, because it's a time thing too, because like when you were t- when you were talking earlier about Mike and I and our sales and we thought that they were coming from one place and they weren't, now we don't waste as much time on things that we think are working because we can just pull up a dashboard and go, okay, yeah, this is where sales are actually coming from. And so it's like your, your time is is very valuable too. And I think a lot of bloggers don't think about that when they're making these like frugal business decisions that they cut, they don't, they don't pay for anything. So it's just interesting. And so, you know, I guess from there it's like, you know, invest in, in the products a little bit sooner that are going to help you be successful figure out, try to try to figure out tracking sooner. Um, One of the things that I think that a lot of people don't talk about that I've found to be very important with the affiliate marketing specifically is dealing with affiliate managers for these various merchants, because like that's a lot of the time, like I've just noticed this wild difference. There are some products that have affiliate managers that are really good and you can talk to them. You can increase your conversions. You can work with them and it's awesome there are some that have no idea what they're doing. And I feel like that's a big part of affiliate marketing is like trying to navigate how to work with your affiliate manager so you can actually make more money. So can you talk about how you did that or like what tips you have in that area?
2: Yeah. I mean, so I initially did it all in house myself and then realized that's definitely a key position I need to hire pretty quickly. Yeah. And I did, I hired a full-time employee. Just her purpose was to literally just work with these relationships. You know, if we're getting our money from these affiliates, or from these merchants, I should say. It made sense that we really made sure we had a strong relationship with these merchants yeah. and therefore hired someone, not only to to your point, to help negotiate better deals, in some cases even start out an affiliate program where they had none. You know, We definitely contacted many uh, companies where they had no affiliate program. and We yeah. said, are you interested in doing that? And here's the advantages to doing that. So it helped educate the advantages of affiliate marketing. Most of them signed up and, and we were the first ones to help them create an affiliate program. So- that's that's one thing. The other is, yeah, I mean, definitely some companies get it, some don't. You know, it really depends on, and the problem with affiliate marketing, so one of the other potential issues with affiliate marketing, is you more or less become that a partner in that merchant. So it depends on how well, because you only get paid usually on an action, you know, a conversion. You don't get paid on a click. I mean, there's some programs that offer that. But most is some conversion, be it a lead, an actual deposit. In some cases, if you're dealing with financial institutions, to just um, you know some action, some event they have to happen. And the problem is they, their, their conversion funnel, their sales funnel stinks. So therefore they're not, you know they don't really get it. They don't look at how to improve that sales funnel. So you're relying on them to have a good sales funnel. If they have a, a poor converting sales funnel, an affiliate program with them is gonna stink. And some of the classic issues I've seen along the way, it's just they send them to the, like the homepage. They don't have a good call to action on their, good call to action or offer that they give you or they don't have it on their landing page and it just converts hor- horribly. So therefore you, you just kind of know that that programs to probably disappear at some point, but yet others will work with you and say, you know, look guys, we we see you're converting X amount of people. What can we do to improve this? What can we do to make the landing page better for you guys? So therefore we get more conversions and work with you and that whole process and they'd get it. But each firm again, it depends on the firm and it depends on the manager themselves. Some get it. Some don't. I mean, I worked with one firm that had at one point a great affiliate manager, she went up and left, a new affiliate manager came in, and it was a complete disaster. And she yeah. only lasted like six months. So it really, it really depends on the person and how well they understand affiliate marketing. A lot of companies, unfortunately, especially the larger ones, will treat it as if it's just an extension of their ad campaigns. Right. And they'll, they'll look at it as just another avenue for advertising. When reality, affiliate marketing is usually something that supplements uh, your advertising. So it's further down that sales funnel usually. So usually you're the one of the last or close to the last stop before they finally convert. So therefore they need to do a lot of advertising, you know, higher end of the funnel before they can do a a successful affiliate marketing program. So make a long story short, a lot of it really depends on the manager or the company you're working with. I mean definitely when you start getting the data, the beauty of it is you can say, all right, company X, we're doing we're doing five percent with this firm over here we're only doing 2% with you. What's the, what's the issue? Let's figure out a way to improve this conversion rate. Right. And You have the data, you can go back to other firms without revealing the other company, the competing site, and say we're doing this you know, this well, but we're doing so poorly with the same audience. Why is that? What's the issue here?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting thing. I've been talking to some other bloggers about this that, you know, it's like you send, you send a good amount of clicks, you know, or traffic to a product and it like doesn't convert at all. And what happens is a lot of time, like people just bloggers or people that are running the sites just go like, well, I'm not going to send them traffic anymore. You know? So it's like, you know, you're probably getting sales for these people, but somewhere along the way, you know, maybe the cookie is getting lost or like they're going across device or whatever. And a lot of these people just aren't like open to even try to figure that out and increase conversions. And so that's one of those things like laptop empires. We're going to focus on that probably a lot. I don't know. I would guess in the next six months or so of just like trying to reach out to affiliates and work with them and get, you know, increased because it is an easy way to get more money coming in. But uh, I guess back to the original question, like if you're, if you're kind of like a newer blogger, how often should you be trying to talk to these affiliate managers? Like, would you email them fairly often? Like, or would you just like, you know, how, did you try to talk to them or is it when you saw something was doing well, would you reach out and go, Hey, can we increase this?
2: Um, it depends. I mean, it depends on the firm. Again, I hired someone purposely just to manage those relationships because we had geez over a hundred different merchants or different companies we were working with. Right. So there's a lot to you know, deal with on a day-to-day basis. And you know, what we try to do is say, look, you know, we're, can we talk about some special promotion or some specific offer we can do for our clientele? to get, you know, getting more conversions. This is something we can do along the way. So again, that's something where she worked on a day-to-day basis with these various firms and I didn't have to deal with that. But initially, yeah, I did start out that way. Usually what I would be doing is contacting the various companies after I noted a decrease in conversion rates. Like one month right. we're doing 5%, all of a sudden now we're doing zero or 2%. Like what's the deal? What, what chains on your end to yield these less conversions? And nine times out of 10, this goes back to another reason why you should be tracking. It'd be some issue on their side. They forgot to add a pixel, or something was not firing correctly. Something was going on with their side that they caught. Based on my analysis, we caught it and they fixed it, and we got credit for those you know misconversions. That happened. That would happen more often than not because they're constantly improving their sites. So yeah, that's okay. another issue why you should be tracking. Is See, if you're I'm not.
0: I'm making a note right now because there's one that I'm thinking of that we were converting with with uh, last month and then like they just, it dropped off.
2: <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to have to talk to them. It, ha- it happens all the time I and mean, that's the funny part is it it's it's a constant battle. You, you know, I mean, the, the beauty of a sales funnel is once you get a certain amount of traffic, it literally converts like clockwork. Right. You're going to get a certain amount of people coming in, you get a certain amount of conversions and be it your own product or someone else's, it, you should get the net result if nothing's changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, in this specific one that I'm thinking about, like, I'm actually sending them more traffic now than I was last month with less conversions. So I feel like something something has changed. So I will yeah. reach out to them. If you send a uh,
2: thousand people to a site and it yields no conversions. There's something going
0: on. Something's yes. broken. Yes, see, I, I agree with that. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know, Mike. Did you have any questions about anything? You look like you're about no. to say something.
1: No, I. You know, the one thing I was going to say. Is just, and it kind of goes back to kind of the investment thing, because I think a lot of this, even when you were this last comment, you were talking about, like, you need to go in and be looking at this and talking to these people and everything. And I think when you're kind of like a solo, you know, preneur, like you're a blogger and it's just you that can be kind of intimidating. Like, how do I find the time to do all of these things and, or even to know what to do. And, and I know when you're first starting out, you get caught in this trap of like business development consuming content, you know, like you go back and forth because you're trying to learn. And so I would just say, I think one of the best things that anybody can do when you're starting a business is to invest in, once again, a big I word, right? Invest in a shortcut. And the shortcut is you hire a person that's done it, that can tell you what to do. Or the more affordable route is you, you buy a course where somebody lays out what you need to do. And you follow it exactly, and I mean, we've learned that ourselves. And I, but I just think like investing in a $500 course or a $1,000 course is probably one of the best investments you can make early on in your business to get a shortcut. It might save you a year, you know, it might, it <laughs> it may might save you work. all
2: sorts of pain, yeah. That you just, yeah, you know, you're it, kind of struggling yourself, and it's better off, you know, having someone yeah. else to really be that guide or
1: mentor, exactly. And if you're not ready, for the course yet, buy the book, you know, like it's, it's one of those things. I don't think it's quite as effective, but you know, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to get on a coaching call with this person. I want to pick this person's brain, or I want to take this person's program. If they have a book, that's usually $10 to get everything they would tell you they've put it all in there. And so like, that's a place to start. And so I just think like the smartest thing that you can do, if you want to learn more about affiliate marketing, like go learn from Larry, go take his course, you know, like go, go do something and, and take that shortcut. Like it might seem like in your mind, you might be like, Oh, I'm putting money in. I don't have any, I haven't spent anything yet, but like if you were starting a brick and mortar business, you would be in it for, for rent, for paying employees, for investing in equipment, investing in services, you would have all of this debt just to get started. And you don't have that with an online business. And Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, if you're not comfortable investing a thousand dollars one time to get your business off the ground more quickly, you're not really cut out for this because if you're, if you're afraid to do that, then that kind of shows more of a lack of your own belief in yourself to do it than it does anything else. Like if you, but the people that are like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to This course, I'm gonna take the shortcut. I'm gonna implement it, and it's gonna pay itself back because it will if you follow each step. Like those people are gonna go far because they believe in themselves and they're gonna take a chance on themselves, you know. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm somewhere in between personally, right? Like I've bootstrapped, I've invested, but like it always amazes me. Like I'll be working with programs and stuff, and it's these people that are like just fresh starting a business, and they'll go invest ten thousand dollars in a program to learn how to do it, and then just take off. You know. And I, I've got a client that was making $1,500 last July. He's making $150,000 per month now and, in, in a year. And he made a huge investment. And I was like, wow, man, my wife would kill me if I did that. You know? But he believed in himself and he took a chance on himself. And it's an extreme example. But I mean, I think you have to do that at some level.
2: I mean, I had a previous business partner. So this is back in 2010 that I was starting Investor Junkie. And still at the very early stages, you know, wanted to see what his opinion was. He graduated as a uh, MBA and he literally told me, you don't bother trading another investment blog. There are too many investment blogs out there. Right. And it just blows your mind that, you know, there are a lot of Debbie Downers out there, both some of which can be with good intentions, no less. And you got to definitely, in the end, you have to see what's possible and realize that it is possible as opposed to listening to someone who has really not the qualifications to speak on that said topic. In this guy's case, he didn't really have the background to understand affiliate marketing or understand really how blogs worked. Where you know that was one of the reasons why he left as a business partner with my business. It just didn't work out. So you know the same issues. You got to really respect people that have done it and done it before, and realize that they're you know especially in, you know my case. I can document that I sold business. It's not like I can make this stuff up. Right. It's something that's it's definitely something to say. I've been down that path before. So I, I hear what you're saying in terms of uh, you definitely need to invest in the technology, the courses, the people even to build a business. It just doesn't grow out of nothing.
0: Yeah. So I've, I've been trying to kind of distill this down because we've covered a a whole lot of topics and I feel like affiliate marketing is like, there's so much you can talk about, but what I've gotten out of this, if you're kind of a newer blogger or even more experienced, you know, but you want to make more money. So niche down on the content, right. And get, get more focused on exactly what you're doing less generalized content just to rank like stuff that you, you know, you got to make some intentional content rank on
1: relevant things. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't rank on like how to live in an RV. If you're trying to make money <laughs> teaching people how to make money. Um, so then track clicks, even if it's like a simple solution, track clicks as soon as possible and then communicate with your affiliate managers more often. Try to, try to figure out how you can improve conversions, keep track of what's happening so that you can actually, you know, try to see if something's broken on their end. And then when you can, or kind of as soon as possible, invest in better tracking, uh, invest in courses, you know, and in, invest in your business, right? Is that about it? Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I I mean, not for anything. I think this
2: applies to really anyone listening to this that has a business. I think any business should do affiliate marketing at some level because of you can't be everything to everyone. But yet you can easily recommend and refer products and services that complement your business. I mean, the analogy I always use is, Let's say you decide to, you know, you're a your car restoration company. You sell car parts for, I don't know, what is the, what's your favorite? Uh, you want a, a Barracuda, I think it was,
1: Mike? Uh, 1970 Challenger. Challenger,
2: okay. You want a 1970 Challenger. You sell car parts for that. And, you know, but yet you don't sell tires and rims. Yet, you know, you could easily recommend tires and rims from TireRack.com and make money off that. And just by surely recommending various sets of tires and rims for your car and you don't have to have inventory for it. You don't have to do customer service. You don't have to do anything, yet it, would, it tightens the relationship better with your, your audience. It's a, no win, it's, a, it's a win-win situation for everyone. It's, it's a no-brainer in my eyes. So every business should be doing affiliate marketing at some level.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of as a last note and kind of put a bow on this, but you know, I remember very early on in the Facebook side hustle course, and we had a couple of students that were like very successful and like were very early adopters in our course. And when we started focusing a little bit more on affiliate marketing and we started like promoting things like ClickFunnels, which there's a lot of people that promote click as their entire business. But for us, it's a tool that we use every day. We really do like it and better other tools and everything. And I remember when we started doing stuff like it was like, Hey, we've got the free share funnel, use our affiliate link. You know, we're providing these bonuses. We're providing all these extra resources. If somebody used our affiliate link and it was like, man, you're, you're a freaking sellout. You know, this is BS. You're one of them slimy, dirty affiliate marketers. You know, you're, you're doing this. And it's like, well, no, we've always said like, this is the product we recommend. That didn't change. It's just how dumb is it of us as a business owner to recommend a product, but then not use our affiliate link when we could bring income in from that product that we're already recommending we already believe is the best thing for our students and that income can then allow us to do things like hire coaches or provide a better product or or to do things like now where we're doing the custom membership portal on our website versus what we currently have you know like you can't, you can't be scared of that. And I think it's with affiliate marketing, there can be, there's kind of a negative connotation, just like there is in sales sometimes. And just like there is in internet marketing sometimes, like, and so if you, it's okay. But I think, so I think you just can't be, you can't be afraid of it either. Like there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with selling. There's nothing wrong with affiliate marketing. So if, if, as long as you believe in it, right. It's like you said earlier, like you don't just stuff a piece of content full of affiliate links. It's you, Put it there if like you, you got to treat people like you're my friend, this is what I would recommend to you.
2: Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be promoting products you don't believe in. That's without question. I mean, I, I should say that from the get-go, but unfortunately you have some people who will do just that. And usually they don't last very long in affiliate marketing or usually they don't last that long online as a business because if they people see through, I think a lot of that you're promoting something because of purely that affiliate link. People are definitely wiser as far as, you know, where people make their money nowadays with affiliate marketing, especially. So. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely be promoting products you only believe in. You shouldn't. And again, I should go without question. But yeah, to your point, I think some, most people are under-monetizing their blogs not because of that reason, but because of they're afraid of what others others will think of them. They'll think that they're they're a sellout. When reality is, you really do believe in these products, and you should be promoting them. Right. One
0: hundred percent. Yeah, that's why I'm just. That's I've kind of decided over the years, uh, especially more recently. Like, I don't really I care what my audience thinks. But I also don't, <laughs> because like <laughs> I, I want because I, I have to run my business, you know. Like that's it is what it is. I've got people to pay. Like you know I've got goals with the business and everything. And it comes to a point where if you promote products and that really turns people off, like they can just leave, and that's fine. And then you're left with the people that actually don't care if you promote products or not. So I mean, not for anything, but how many cases you promote it? You're giving out free
2: content without charging for it, right? Yeah, you're right. giving out so much of this free information that. And especially if they take action on it, they should be rewarding you in some way, be it through ad banners, affiliate marketing, your own products, what have you. But I think a lot of the cases, people are expecting everything for nothing. You're, they're expecting you to be altruistic and give away something for free, all the cases, but you're not a charity. You're ultimately there to drive business as a profit. And in the end, that profit helps not only build out your business, but help others in the same process. It's a win-win for everyone. So I don't know why, but people look at it that way. That's the, I think the, if anything, you always have those naysayers that think they can, you know, you, they expect everything from you for nothing, and it's just those are the ones that should disappear.
1: Hey, the way the internet is these days, you can be like, I like the color red, and they're like, you are a horrible human being. Blue is the best. I hate you. I'm I'm unsubscribing. And it's like, okay, awesome. You're a wonderful human. Take care. I mean, you just can't. No matter what, there's going to be something. So. Who can
2: be no? Yeah, who can be more noble? It's the, they always issue anything, and especially with business, yeah. it's that like I. Yeah, I'm going to be more charitable because I'm giving away more stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Well, I think that pretty much kind of wraps up. I mean, we covered a ton of ground on this. So guys, I know, and we might have mentioned this a little bit through, but we started off, we're going to talk about SEO and then we started kind of pivoting into affiliate marketing. So we talked about affiliate marketing today, but we will come back here in the future and talk about SEO for you for sure. So Larry, thank you so much for being on here today. Really appreciate it. And we will see y'all next week. That's it for today's episode, but before you go, I want to tell you about a couple of ways that Bobby and I can help you grow your online business. The first one, if you haven't actually started an online business yet and are looking for a way to start making money online, you got to check out our number one recommended side hustle, which is creating Facebook ads for other businesses. It pays incredibly well. It's a low time investment and it's an incredibly high demand. It's also the quickest way we know how to build a six figure income online. So check it out. We teach you all about it inside of our course. And you can find out more about it in the show notes. Now, if you want to start a blog, you should check out our free blogging course. Bobby's put a lot of time into this. and over eight days, we're going to drip feed you with incredible information about how to start and grow your blog. Whether you don't have one yet or you have one and you really want to take it to the next level, this is a great resource for you. Check it out in the show notes. And finally, if you go to youtube.com slash Laptop Empires, that's our YouTube channel. We put out Fantastic content every single week, helping you build, grow an online business. And we really get into the nitty gritty. Sometimes I'm sharing my screen. Sometimes we're teaching you. We have great interviews with other experts that we bring in. And I really think you're going to like it. And then, of course, you can listen to all the back episodes of this podcast where we bring in special guests. And Bobby and I share all of our knowledge. All you got to do is subscribe to the channel. Check out all the old episodes. We really appreciate you listening to the show every week. And uh, really looking forward to talking to you again next week. See you then. You've been listening to the Laptop Empires podcast with Mike Yonda and Bobby Hoyt. For more information and the resources mentioned in this episode, go to laptopempires.com forward slash podcast. We out.